guys. How are you? It's been a long time. It's been like six weeks. That went by fast, didn't it? It felt fast. Uh, but I am thrilled to be back with you guys here today. Uh, as always, there's a lot going on. But I'm excited to share some of the things the Lord uh, showed me during sabbatical and as we just step back into a summer season together. But before we do that, uh, we have an opportunity to send some folks out in prayer this morning. Uh, and that is not a perfunctory thing that we do. Uh, prayer is not just an obligation that we have as a people. The Lord invites us to join him in his work And we actually get to be a part of that by purposefully praying. And so two things are happening this week. First off, uh, we have a mission trip that is heading out uh, over to Philadelphia, Mississippi, uh, to the Choctaw Native American Reservation. Uh, We've been doing this for years now, uh, and there is a whole slew of our people, actually folks from our campus and the Chelsea campus, heading over there this week. They'll be doing uh, a vacation Bible school for kids, as well as other work uh, around there. We've got relationships we've been building for years. We're going to get to build on this week, but lots of different opportunities to share the gospel, to love people in Jesus' name. So you can see a bunch of those folks. If you're in the room and you're heading out on the trip, uh, raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm going. Uh, Look around the room. I mean, we got folks all around the room. There'll be some uh, in the next service as well. And we've got some folks over the Chelsea campus. Uh, Some of those names you might recognize as well. Uh, Here coming up, they got a few of those uh, who are going as well on this trip. So look, a lot of folks who are heading out on mission, not just to do a trip, Uh, Not to sightsee, uh, but to literally take the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, out into an area in his name. And so we have an opportunity to pray for them this week. Secondly, though, uh, we also have our students are heading out to camp this week. They're heading out to Student Life Camp. We have a slew of kids. I think between the two campuses, uh, we have over 90 students who are going and then leaders on top of that. Uh, I think almost 50, actually more than 50 of those are coming right here at this campus. And so... Really, a majority of our students are heading out for what we hope is a life-changing week for them. Uh, A a week without distractions, a week where they're going to get to hear the voice of God, really intently uh, be spoken into and prayed over. These are marked moments that do not come all the time in our life. And so our prayer ought to be is that the Lord is going to speak powerfully to our students. He's going to work in them to literally energize them to bring them back that as they join together with us, we together can then follow after the Lord. But these are really important moments. And so we got a lot to pray for. And so let's do this right now. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And you might know one of these folks who's heading out on mission this week. Uh, There might be some very specific students that you know of uh, that are going on camp this week, or you just might say, Adam, I I don't know any of those names. I I don't know those students, but if you're a part of our church, guess what? These are your brothers and sisters going out on mission. These are your students that are a part of our church. We want to ask the Lord to bless them. So just bring those names to mind as I pray uh, with us together. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the amazing congregation that you have built for what you have done, but also, Lord, what you're going to do. And Lord, this week we do, we lift up all of those who are heading out from our midst this week. Lord, we are excited about what you have been doing uh, at Choctaw, Lord, and the trips that have been going on the past few years. And Lord, what you have begun, would you just further this week? I pray, Father, that we wouldn't simply have a successful trip or even just a safe trip, but Lord, that It would be a spiritual trip that your Holy Spirit would fill and empower every single one of our people as we send them out. 
Lord, that you would do things through them that they didn't know were possible. That you would open up doors for ministry, Lord, that your gospel might go forth. Lord, that you would put a blessing, a favor upon them, Lord, as they walk into maybe some people they've never met before and give them an opportunity to love them in your name. And so, Lord, we just ask a blessing on everything that will happen with this trip. We do pray for safety, Lord. We do pray that it would uh, go as planned, but, Lord, most importantly, we want it to go according to your plan. And so, Lord, we lift them up as we send them out this week. And, Lord, we do lift up our students as they head out to camp, an opportunity to spend five days focusing on you and you alone. Lord, that's such a rare commodity in the culture that we live in. And so, Lord, this is a gift we do not want to squander. So would you, I pray for us, Lord, you would stir us up to be praying for our students, that you would remind us throughout this week to to be praying for them and lifting them up. Lord, we pray that you would move powerfully in them. Lord, whether it be in a worship service, whether it be in a conversation with a a leader or a new friend, Lord, Lord, however you choose, Lord, at whatever point during the week, Lord, we pray for salvations. Lord, we pray for you to draw students to you. We ask that you would move powerfully in them and do what only you can do. Would you bind them, heal them, strengthen them, help them, Lord, even save some of them. Lord, we are so thankful for the gift that they are to us and we pray a blessing upon them in your name. Lord, none of these things can be accomplished on our own, but nothing is impossible for you. And so we ask for you to move powerfully this week. We bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said... Amen. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles if you will. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 is where we're going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. And while you guys are turning there, I would really like just to say a huge thank you, first and foremost, to you guys. Allison and I and Rose were able to have an incredible sabbatical. Uh, It was great to be able to get some rest in, uh, and we did. It went by very fast, but we were able to rest in lots of different ways, but really that was made possible by you. And so thank you for allowing us that opportunity. Uh, It was needed, and we were certainly grateful uh, for every minute of it. Uh, I want to give a big thank you to our staff. Uh, our staff handled this whole time uh, impeccably. Everything went off just without a hitch. Uh, it was great. We have a phenomenal staff here. I uh, really want to thank uh, Dave Watson, uh, Brian Cornelius, our whole staff for all the things they did, kind of keeping everything running and moving. But man, be sure to thank them personally. But I'm so grateful for them during this time. I uh, also want to thank our guest speakers. I hope you enjoyed the guest speakers that we had over the course of the sabbatical, a couple of our own guys, and also some guest speakers as well. I was able to talk to all three of them. Uh, They had a great time being here with you. Uh, I was encouraged by their sermons. I got to listen to all of those. Uh, And I hope that you were encouraged not simply by their sermons, but to recognize that there are great pastors at great churches all around Birmingham that these are all local guys. These are people that I pray with, get together with, and God is moving not just here at Double Oak. He's moving at great churches all around the Birmingham area, and that ought to be incredibly encouraging to us. So I hope you enjoyed them, but I am glad to be back. I've already heard uh, the fears that after six weeks, this will be a four-hour sermon, and I don't know what might. Um, so buckle up. I'm kidding, it won't. Three at tops. All right, so... Uh, I come back with a prayer. 
Um, after six weeks, you know, I'm still processing some things, some of the things that the Lord uh, showed me. I'm going to continue to be doing that with all of us as we go forward. And so I'm not coming back with any grand plan to unveil. What I do come back with uh, is a prayer. It's a prayer for our entire church. And really, it's Paul's prayer. And more than that, it's God's prayer. And what I believe to be God's prayer for all of us. And we find it here in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. And so let's read that. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord, to which we say thanks be to God. Uh, This is a a prayer I have read in Ephesians multiple times over, but towards the end of my sabbatical, this is the one that the Lord just kind of kept bringing back again and again, and I've just been meditating on it for a long time now, and I do really believe this is a prayer that God has for us. There's a lot in this passage, a couple things to note right off the bat. I hope you notice the Trinitarian aspect of this prayer. Uh, at the beginning, it says, I bow my knees before the Father. And then in the next verse, it says, I want you to be strengthened by his spirit in your inner being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then at the end, he says, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So you have Father, Spirit, Christ, who is God. You have the Trinity right there in that verse. Didn't say the word, but it's right there in the text. I like to put a little triangle in my Bible next to passages like that that remind me this is where you see the Trinity displayed. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I love this passage because it's, it's very Pauline. It is, it's a typically Pauline kind of prayer. Uh, first off, if you look at verses 14 through 19, uh, in our English, you see numbers of different verses, you see periods at the end of sentences, and none of that is in the text. Uh, when you look at the Greek text, this is just one long run-on sentence. He's just going. This is stream of consciousness. This is just Paul, and he is just talking. It just goes and goes and goes and goes. Kind of translators have to really kind of parse out and figure out kind of where to put the periods because Paul's just on a roll. He's on a, a rant. He just keeps going. And this really is just kind of coming out of him. You can tell that from the first words. Notice in verse 14, it says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Okay, what's the reason? Well, you might assume, well, he's, it's for this reason, it's what he just said. So I should just back up to verse 13, and I can find out the reason. But that doesn't work, because that's not what he's talking about. Go back to verse 1, and notice what it says. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, for this reason, I, Paul, and then he promptly goes off on a tangent. He gets distracted. He says, for I, this reason, Paul. Hey, did you guys hear about this? And then he just goes on that for another 13 verses. And so in verse 14, when he says, okay, really, for this reason, and he gets back to what he was saying, building off of chapter two. This is just typical Paul. He is an unbelievably smart guy, but this is just coming out of his heart. 
This is just coming out of him. He says, this is my prayer for you. This is what I pray for you. This is what I want you to understand. This is what I want to see the Lord do in you. And so this is what I pray. It's typically Pauline. And this prayer is really gonna draw us back to the, the core values that we have always had as a congregation, that we will continue to have as a congregation. It is a challenge, an invitation to move deeper into the very heart of God. And so a few things I wanna show you this morning. First off, uh, this is a prayer for deeper maturity. This is a prayer for deeper maturity. Uh, look what he says in verses 16 and 17. He says, that I pray that you, you, by the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Look down at verse 19. It says this, I pray that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then in verse 20, it says, now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. So you have these very lofty phrases. He says, listen, I want you to be strengthened that, that Christ may, may dwell in your inner being. Uh, that, that, that literally his spirit would, would move in your inner being, that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you would be filled with all the very fullness of God, that he would do more abundantly than anything you can think. It's an invitation to go deeper into Christ himself. He says, listen, I know you know the Lord. I know you have him, but there is more of him for you to experience, so much more. And he's just kind of piling on the adjectives to try to build this. He'll continue this on through the rest of Ephesians. If you go to chapter four of Ephesians, chapter verse 13, I'll put this one up on the screen. Look, he'll say the same thing again. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He just keeps saying it in different ways. He says, I want you to have everything in him. I want you to have more of him. You cannot exhaust the Lord Almighty. And he wants to put his life in you. And though we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, he says there is more for us to experience. There is more of him to know. And the question is, are we going to be open to that? Are we, are we inviting that? Are we expecting an ever-increasing experience of the Lord Almighty? Because look, that, that's something that we all generally know. We know that God is grand and he is vast and he's, he's, he's more than we can understand and that surely there's more of him for me to experience, but there's a temptation for us that the older we get, we start to expect less. We just stop being open to receiving more. This is something that our young people don't wrestle with as much as our older people. Uh, when you are young, it makes sense that we would have an open stance towards everything. Uh, for our students, our college students, it just makes sense that when you are young, you've got things to learn, right? That makes sense. At least the smartest kids. They understand that, right? I ought to learn. Yes, I need to go to school. Yes, I need to take this test. Yes, I need to, to, to learn. That's why it's okay for me to have a, a teacher or a parent or a boss or a manager. When you're young, it makes sense. You're just, you're growing up. You've got a lot to learn. But as we get older, things change. As you and I grow up, and for some of us who are a little older in the congregation, a weird thing happens. You actually become teachers 
and parents and bosses and managers. And now we become the people who are turning around and helping others. There's a temptation in that because we might assume that, oh, okay, this is what I do now. I help other people. I turn around and help other people that we stop recognizing that we're still people who ought to receive more, that we're still people who ought to expect more from the Lord. We're not here simply to help others who might be younger and are coming along, but to recognize that though God has given us so much, he has so much more to offer us. He says, I want to dwell in your hearts through faith. You might be filled with the very fullness of God. This is what he wants to give to us. And so the question is, are we still open to that? Do we expect that? Are we looking for this in our life? Because I guarantee you, God has more to show you. And I can prove it. One of the things that the Lord led me through during the sabbatical, I I kind of assumed he would lead me through just a a ton of scripture, uh, and he really didn't. For over the entire six weeks, I spent it in in just four chapters. Uh, It was John 14 through 17, uh, which is the night before Jesus' crucifixion. It's his last teaching to the apostles. Uh, It's John 15 with the abide passage. It's the high priestly prayer. Um, and I just kind of just sat there for weeks, and the Lord showed me a lot of different things. But there was this one line that was so fascinating for me, and I'd, I had not really noticed it before. Look at this. In John chapter 16, verse 12, it's the night before the crucifixion, and Jesus says this to the disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Now, put that in context for just a second. Jesus is about to be crucified. His time with them is over And he says, I still have so much to say to you, but you guys can't take it. And the more I thought about this, I began to wonder, this seems like a stunning failure of foresight on Jesus' part, does it not? You had three years, man. You've been with these guys a while. They didn't even have screens to distract them. You've had every day and every night for three years. Do you not think you could have taught them before now? You're Jesus. You knew that they'd be kind of messed up the night before the crucifixion. Shouldn't you have started a little earlier? I mean, how can it possibly be the case that you've run out of time? I can run out of time. You can run out of time. I run out of time often, by the way. When in fact, whenever I go over time, Cindy Barksdale in preschool reminds me repeatedly that I have gone over time. It's normal that I would run out of time and you would run out of time. How is it that Jesus has run out of time? Well, he hasn't. This is not a failure of any kind on Jesus' part. He says, I still have things I want to teach you, but I can't tell you right now. Look at the very next couple verses. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus says, I have so much to teach you, but guess what? I'm going to keep teaching you. Post-crucifixion, when I send the Holy Spirit to dwell in your hearts through faith, my spirit in your inner being, I'm going to keep teaching you. He says, I don't, I'm just not going to give you three years of stuff and then live on it for the rest of your life. He says, no, I'm going to keep teaching you. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll begin to see that. Peter still has things to learn. Jesus has to use a, a, a vision, multiple visions to show him, hey, the food laws have changed. Furthermore, the Gentiles can be saved. 
I'm gonna save them too. Peter, Peter has to learn. He has to grow. The Holy Spirit is still teaching him. Christ is still leading them. And if the Lord put his Holy Spirit in us, he has things he wants to teach us too. Amen. It means that no matter who you are, how long you've been a believer, God has more things he wants to say to you. And praise God, he doesn't just dump them all on us at one time. He says, you can't bear that. And so I, through the Holy Spirit, am gonna teach you systemically throughout your life. But if that is the case, then you and I ought to be open. We ought to expect it. We ought to expect to hear from the Lord in all things. He's gonna continue to do this through the Holy Spirit, are we open? Because if we're not, we will grow stagnant. One of the things that the, that the Lord did lead me to do during the sabbatical, that towards the end, uh, I took a silent retreat. Uh, as a family in the church, let me use their, their mountain home for a couple of days, and I just went up by myself uh, and just sat and prayed and read. Um, and it didn't really go how I thought it would. Uh, I had some things planned, and the Lord had different plans. And one of the things he led me to do was just to do a, a review of my entire life, to really look at just what the Lord had done in my life, I mean, my entire life, from when I was a kid up until now. And, and I've done that kind of. Like, you tell your testimony. Somebody asks, how'd you get saved? You tell them. How'd you get into ministry? You tell them. But not like this. I'd never taken two, three hours just to sit and systemically walk through what God had done. And there were so many things I had forgotten. So many ways that the Lord had blessed. So many things that the Lord put in place. And it was encouraging just to see his faithfulness, his foresight, his planning, and kind of what he had done. But as I began to get up to the present day, the question really became, okay, so am I ready for the Lord to continue that? Or am I simply gonna try to protect what we've already attained? Am I ready for the Lord to do even more than what we can ask or imagine? Or am I somebody going to say, I'm good. I got enough. I'm good. Let's just stop here. This is fine. We're good. I'm in a good spot. Let's just, let's just tap out here and hold. And that's not what the Lord is after for you, for me, for our congregation. He says, no, I have more for you. I can do more than all you can ask or imagine. And I have put my spirit in you to draw you to myself. Will we be open to say, Lord, I want you to dwell in our hearts through faith that we might have the very fullness of God in all things. This is what he's after for us. And so understanding that, he also says this, this is not simply a prayer for deeper uh, maturity, it is a prayer for deeper community. It's not simply a prayer of deeper maturity. This is a prayer for a deeper community. Why? Because this greater thing that God has for us can only be experienced together. We cannot do this on our own. It is impossible for us to see all that God has in store for us unless we do this together. Now think about that for a second. Let it sink in because most of us don't believe that. That's not what our culture believes. That's not really what we believe. But the Lord is saying, only together with other brothers and sisters are you gonna be able to see this. And you see this in the text as well. Look at verse 14. He says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. 
He doesn't simply talk about the Ephesian church. He broadens it out. He says, no, we're talking to the God who has a plan that covers every single family that has ever been. There is a larger context in which this plan is being developed. Look at verse 18. Notice what it says there. That you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Why did he include that little phrase, with all the saints? It works without it. That God would help you comprehend the the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of God. That sounds amazing. But he says, I don't simply want you to know the love of God. I want you to know with the saints what this love of God is. And then look at verse 21. And notice what I say there. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Again, take the phrase out. To him be glory in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. It makes sense. He says, no, I want you to be glorified in the church. Guys, this is plan that I am unfolding does not simply involve us as individuals. He says, no, this is a plan I have for all of you as my people together. And if you want to experience all that I have for you, it must be experienced in community, which begs a massive question, why? Why? Why does that have to be the case? Adam, why does it be the case that I need other people? I mean, look, when I got saved, it was my sins that Jesus died for. Not somebody else's sins, it was my sins. And only I can repent of my sins. You can't repent of my sins for me. I can't repent of yours. I had to repent of my sins. I had to put my faith in Jesus. You can't have faith for me. You can't get saved for me. I had to put my faith in Jesus. Adam, you just said you went on like a silent retreat by yourself. I mean, how is it that I need other people in order to encounter the Lord? And look, there's a lot of reasons for this, and I don't have time to explore all of those today. But this is something that we have to constantly come back to. We have to constantly be reminded of because you and I live in a culture where the individual is supreme. One of the books I read on sabbatical is by a guy named Carl Truman. It's a book called Strange New World. He kind of walks out of how we have gotten to this place of expressive individualism in our culture where the individual defines everything. We've broken all bonds so that the individual kind of drives all meaning in life. I invented, I created, but everything revolves around me. This is the culture that we live in. It is the air that we breathe. This is the stories that we hear. This is how we are encouraged. And so we have to constantly be reminded that you and I are not built to function independently. Why? Let me give you two quick reasons. Number one, because we are body parts, not bodies. We are body parts, not bodies. When the Lord built us, he did not build us to be spiritually self-sufficient. He says, no, I am creating a people, a body, and individually, we are only a part, a crucial part, a unique part, a loved part, but only a part. And only when combined together do things actually work. I mean, look, if you are a body part and you are not a body, it does not matter if you are the best body part that there has ever been. The strongest muscle, the the, the shiniest hair, the clearest skin, the strongest bone. It it doesn't matter if you're you're doing the, the best at your job possible. Apart from all the other rest of the body, you will fail miserably. We can't, why? Because you and I are not built to be self-sufficient. We are built to be connected to one another. We can't do this on our own. You and I don't have all the gifts. I have gifts, you have gifts, but they're different. 
And we all have different gifts. You put us together and God does something incredible. This is how he's built us. But here's the second thing. We see God more through other people. We see God more through other people. There are things about God that you are not going to see by yourself. Because of your unique personality and your upbringing and your circumstances and the things that you have lived through, you are going to have an ability to see God in, in a very particular way. You can see a lot of him. You can see some things that other people can't see. There are also some things, though, you'll never see because of your personality or your upbringing or your background or your circumstances that you're not going to see. And you need other people to show that to you. And they need your perspective as well. We intuitively know that this is true. I wonder if this has ever happened to you. Uh, you ever had that Sunday morning uh, where you got up and you did not want to go to church? You ever had those before? Clearly, you made it. You got there today. So I don't know if that was today for you. There are other people, look around next to you, they didn't make it, right? Some of you ask you online. I see you, right? And I'm going, oh, I don't want to go. I'm tired. I saw Garth last night. Ugh. Man, I just I don't know if I want to go, Right? I mean, and so you, you get there, but you know what? You go, oh, I should go. And so you get up, you don't want to go, but you get up, you put your clothes on, you get there, and by the time you get to church and you get done, you're like, oh, I am so glad I went. You ever had that experience? Why? Well, you get here, and even though you didn't want to get up, man, you get here, and man, it's refreshing to be with other people who believe like you. And then, man, you walk in and you, you see the, the worship lyrics on the screen and you're, you're drawn to worship the Lord. You hear the community of faith and you hear other people singing. You heard it a few minutes ago. We're singing those old hymns, even a cappella. You hear those things and then you hear the word of God preached and you're encouraged by the spirit. You pray together with other people. Maybe you get an encouraging word or even a hug from somebody who knows you and by the time you leave, you think, I'm so glad that I came. That's exciting. I'll take that. You don't get that online. You don't. You get the sermon, which is awesome. But other than that, you get nothing. This is why we need you back, by the way. This is why we want everybody online back in the room worshiping with us. And if you're not here local, you need to be a part of a local congregation. You're, because they need you too. You see, we need one another. Do you know that God is doing things through you this morning that you're not aware of? By your presence, just your presence. You're doing things. God is doing things through you that you're not aware of and God is using that to show us Christ to one another, to encourage us closer to one another. You may not think you're all that important, but all the parts are important. And so he says, I need you to be together. This is why it's always such a joy for us to join together and worship on Sundays. Which, P.S., total aside, so for a few weeks, and I haven't done this in like 15 years, for a few weeks in a row, I get to get up on Sunday mornings, go be a parishioner, worship, and then get out, go have lunch, and enjoy time for like the rest of the day. And it was awesome. <laughs> is this how you feel every week? Seriously. Why would you waste that? It was amazing. This is not how I feel on Sundays typically. You guys get this all the time? I am jealous. It was awesome. Seriously, don't squander that. It was a super cool thing for like a couple weeks. All right, but look, <laughs> I'm back. I promise. It's great. Uh, here's the, what you and I have to remember. You are not the central character in your own story. Disney is wrong. 
the culture is wrong, the movies are wrong, the novels are wrong, the stories are wrong, you are not the central character of your own story. You're not. And if you try to make yourself the center of your own story, it's all going to collapse in on you. But guess what? You are a vital character, a unique character, a loved character in his greater story. And he has created you, made you for a very specific role. He has adopted you, invited you in, invited you to participate in him. And when you and I recognize it's not about us, it's about him. It's about what he is doing in this world, not what I want him to do, what I thought he was gonna do, but I'm about what he is doing. That's when everything sets itself right. But we need one another to do that. He made you to live in community. And so guess what? We need you here consistently. And I don't just mean attendance-wise. I mean getting to know one another. This is why we want everyone to be a part of a community group. If you're not in one, we've got new ones started. We just told you next week there's a brand new one starting. Maybe you've gotten out of the habit because of the pandemic. You can start a new one. You can go to a new one. Listen, but we need you connected to other believers in vital, life-giving, Christ-centered community. It matters. It matters that you're here. It matters that you worship And look, it's about to be different. God has done amazing things in the 16 years of this church and he is not done yet. But it is going to be different than what's come before. It has to be. Do you know why? Because we're different. Look around the room. No, seriously, look around the room. (laughs) Right now, you're seeing faces that you know and some faces you don't. And if you're new here, it's more than you don't, than that you know. Guess what? God is building us right now in 2022 to do a very specific thing. And we all get to do it together. But we can't do it unless we do it together. And so we have to prioritize our relationships and our community. Why? Because God wants us to know together with all the saints, the amazing love of God. And we can't do that by ourselves. Come on, I'm getting some hoop today. Come on. I love it. I'm excited. You guys got excited while I was gone too. I'm happy about this. Final thing. Uh, This is a prayer for deeper charity. This is a prayer for deeper charity. Look at verses 17 through 19. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, it's, it's interesting here. There's, there's a few different so that's, all right? And those are always purpose clauses. He says, I told you this, so that, and then there's a purpose that he's, he's looking for. So there's three of them. Look at verse 17. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 18's a little bit hard to see, but he says, so that you may have strength to comprehend what's the love of God. And then verse 19, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And then in verse, at the end of it, it says, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. All right, so three different so that's. I pray that you may uh, be strengthened by his spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may know the love of God, and that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Here's the trick. Those are all the same thing. They're all the same thing. It's just aspects of the same thing. To be filled with Christ is not simply to have a lot of knowledge. It is to be filled by the God who is love. To, be, to have strength to comprehend the love of God, the boundless love of God, 
is to know him, is to experience him. To be filled with the very fullness of God is to be filled with his love. It's all the same thing. God wants us to have an ever-increasing, a progressively expanding knowledge and experience of the love of God in our lives. Is that happening for you? Because look, this is again very Pauline. He, he just kind of heaps on a bunch of stuff. He can't get his mind around it. He's, he's just grasping for some sort of a metaphor. Did you hear what he says? This, this love, I want you to know the, 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 the height and the, and the breadth and the length and the, and the depth. He's just throwing out all the dimensions. He said, it's, it's, it's bigger. And then he says this, I want you to know the, the love of God that surpasses knowledge. I want you to know the unknowable love of God. That doesn't even make sense. He says, I, I want you to know this thing, but you can't fully know it. I want you to be filled with all the fullness of God. He's just, he's just casting about, trying to, to describe the vastness of this love. And of course, it does mean that you know the love of God, but you can know something and not know something. We know Jesus Christ, but we don't know him in his fullest. We understand him, but we don't fully understand him. Well, you can know the love of God without fully knowing the love of God. You see, you can't be saved unless you know the love of God. You can't. You cannot be saved unless you know that God loves you. You understand that I am a sinner and that Jesus Christ loves me. And so hopefully most of you have given your life to the Lord. There was that moment where you surrendered. You said, I, I repent of my sins. Can you do what I can't? Can you forgive me? Can you save me? And praise God he did. But then after that, guess what happened? This crazy thing happens. As you grow, you realize, uh-oh, I was worse than I thought. I had more sin than I thought. Now, if you go into some Catholic strains, that means, well, you better get in there and do more confession. Let's hope it takes. Let's just keep going. Let's re-up this thing. That is not what we believe because we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Amen. So here's what happens. This amazing thing happens. The more you understand about just how sinful we are, when God reveals to you by his grace another aspect of our personality, our background, our issues, or our actions that we need to repent of, praise God, we see that our sin is greater than we thought, but God was already there when we got saved, which means his love was even greater than I thought. His grace is always greater than our sin. You don't have to ask for more. You don't have to top it up. You already have it. So the more you walk in Christ, you realize that I am more sinful than I thought, but that means God's grace as I go through life is always greater and greater and greater. I never have to worry about confessing my sins because of the boundless love of God. That's amazing. It's exciting. And this is the love that we are to walk into. Now, P.S., that word love can get maligned, can it not? You can take that word and dumb it down to nothing. We say that word love for all kinds of things we've made. When love is love becomes a nonsensical statement when love can mean anything you want and any experience for anybody at any time, for any feeling, for any action. It now means nothing. That is not the love of God that he talks about. He says, no, this is the love of God that caused him to create the world in the very first place. This is the love of God that is steadfast and pure and does not change. This is the love of God that is, will never be overcome by evil. This is the love of God that causes the father to say, because I see my people lost and they'll never make it home, I'm gonna send my son and let him die to bring them back. This is the love of God that causes Christ to say, I will gladly, voluntarily, willingly give my life to forgive my people who are lost. I, this is the love of God who says, listen, this is the Holy Spirit who time and again 
is going to give up on, is going to stay with me even though I have foibles and failures. He never abandons me. He never leaves and then comes back. He is always with me. This is the love of God that starts with him and not with me. This is the love of God that is always steadfast and secure and I never have to worry about it going anywhere else. That is the love of God he wants us to live in. That's exciting. That is the love of God. And if the love of God that we are living in and when you and I dwell in him, we cannot help therefore for that love to go out. When I live in a progressively greater understanding of the vastness of God's love, I cannot help but then love the people who are around me. It's exciting. I cannot help but to love my friends. I cannot help but even to love my enemies. You see, that doesn't happen normally. Anybody can love a friend. How do you love an enemy? Because I'm so filled with the gracious, sacrificial love of God that that gets poured out in charity on everybody. This is what the Lord wants for us. As we grow, he says, I want there to be a deeper charity in us that as we live in the unbelievable love of God that it would flow out of us into one another and into the world at large. It's a call for deeper charity which leads us finally to a prayer and a praise. How do we get there? How does this manifest itself in us? Two ways, prayer and praise. Look at the very first verse in verse 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. It's prayer. It's not a command. It's a prayer. Paul doesn't say, okay, here are the things you need to work on. Get to it. He says, no, I'm just praying this for you. These are supernatural realities. You can't do this on your own. And so I'm going to pray this for you. And if that's the way Paul acted, we should as well. We must become a deeply prayerful people. Before we act and do all these things, action is necessary, by the way. We don't simply pray, but we also don't act and not pray. Paul doesn't act and then get to prayer if he can. No, he starts with prayer and then acts in response. And the question is, are we going to be a prayerful people? I'm so thankful we now have a prayer team that's praying. Do you know that right now, at this very second, there are your brothers and sisters praying for us in this room right now? They're in the room somewhere. We have a prayer team. They'll be doing it next service as well. Every service we have, we have a team of people praying. We need some of you on that team, by the way. I'd love to double the number of people on our prayer team. We'd love for you to join. Come talk to me. Come talk to Allison after the service. We'd love to get you on the prayer team so you can be a part of praying for what's going on in this congregation We must become a prayerful people, just like we prayed for our mission trip and for our students heading out in a moment. But that also leads to praise. Look at verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's a doxology. It's praise. He just can't help it. He's been praying this thing and he just can't help it. Now he's not talking to them. He says, now to him who is able to do abundantly more than all we ask or imagine. I memorized this in the NIV. Anybody else out there? You remember that one? And he says, listen, all that we ask or imagine. Listen, you are incredible, God. You can do so much more than this. He cannot help but praise. Which by the way, this is why we end our services with at least one song. You know that, right? We don't just close the Bible and head on out. Because it ought to be that as we are experiencing the word of God, it naturally occurs in different manifestations, but it would lead us to praise him for who he is and what he's done. If you never find praise welling up in your soul, that ought to be a red flag to you. 
if you never find praise welling up in your soul for who God is and what he has done, you ought to go back to prayer and say, God, I need you to dwell in my heart through faith, to give me strength to comprehend with all the saints where's the unbelievable love of God that you have for me. Okay, you gotta pray that. Because when we pray and we live in these realities, it causes us to praise. And this is how a lost world is going to see the Lord. It is not when we go wag our fingers at everybody. It is gonna be when you and I live in such a powerful and supernatural life of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus Christ, that they can't help but hear us because we can't stop saying it. And it doesn't matter whether they like it or not. We simply give him praise and we pour out the love that he's given to us. And we don't care what they say or what they do because we have something greater and we're a part of his story. And when you and I live that out, it cannot help but fail. It cannot help but change the world around us. And that's the joy that he's inviting us into. The question is, do we want that? And I say we on purpose because it's not just me and it's not just you. It's got to be a we. Do we want this? Because if we do, then let's pray, let's praise, and let us see what the Lord will do in us. But I guarantee you, he has more for us. So do this for me. Bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Just ask yourself that question. There's a part of us that's going to say yes to that question. It it doesn't matter. We'll just say, well, sure, I'd take that. But go deeper. Go go down deeper into what you truly want more than anything. Go, Go down deeper into what you really think you need in life. And last ask, do we do we want that? that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being, that we would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, so much so that we could not help but share it. That might be scary to some of you. That's okay. You might find that there's other things you want more. That's good to know. but we're not going to see any change unless we're open to it. More of his life, love, growth. He says, I'm I'm calling you deeper. Do you want to come? He won't force him. won't make him. But he does offer. And right now, in this place, from where you are today, not where you were, not where you might be later, but today, can we, can we just say yes to that? So I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to sing a song together. We're going to praise. And I'm going to be down here up front. Maybe you want to come and pray at the altar. Maybe you want to come and pray with me. But I wonder if we all could pray and praise today as we say yes to this amazing invitation. So Father, help us. Thank you. <laughs> I thank you that your dreams are always bigger than ours. That your ways are greater than our ways. Your thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And God, your plans are always better than what we, what we could come up with. And so, Lord, we just want to be open. 
open to, to receive even more of you, to live in you, to trust you, to rejoice in you. And so, Lord, would you bind us together as your people and together would you help us to know you? That this prayer that you poured through Paul in the Ephesians, you would pour into us as well. And Lord, we will give you all the glory and the praise for it throughout all generations. Amen. And so, Father, move us, speak to us, bind us together. But we choose to say yes to you. In your name we pray.